it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl. Here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon on primary day. Everybody heading to the polls in New Hampshire. And the word on the street is there are people out there who think Nikki Haley can win. Wrong. I don't know that it'll come to that, but one way or the other, we'll be watching, we'll be checking in with superstar guests like Shannon Bream, the host of Fox News Sunday, a woman far too classy for this program. Uh, Apparently her comms team made an errant throw and got caught by this show. She will be here in this hour. That's exciting. Uh, Emily Campagno, the human happy hour. And Byron Donald, superstar representative from the great state of Florida, one of the early adapters to the Trump campaign, uh, stops by to tell us what comes next after New Hampshire. 888-788-9910 if you want to pull out your own crystal ball and make some predictions. One way or the other, we don't care. Uh, You're all welcome. I'm not an activist. I'm a talk show host. So I'll give you an opinion. You can give one back. Nobody's going to unfriend you like we're five. Mom, he doesn't vote the way I vote. I don't like him anymore. You know, somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. We're not doing anything on that show. Uh, this show, everybody's welcome, man. You can be a Republican, be a Democrat, Libertarian, Independent, don't matter. All we ask is that you don't be a Boom. There it goes. Happy Tuesday. Happy primary day. If you didn't pre-order my book, uh, you are a real dirtbag. Can we get that out of the way? We have been promoting this thing so incessantly (laughs) that you owe it to the American people so I can stop reading you these promos. I have seen so much book promotion that I'm sick of me. Like, I'm like, I can't. I'm like, I, 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 last night, I'm like watching Hannity. They go to commercial. I see myself. I'm like, this guy again. Get him the out of here. And Jenny's right there behind me like, yeah, enough of this guy, this fat Like, I get it. So it's part of my job. Uh, pre-order my book uh, at foxnewsbooks.com. Comes out next week, the 30th of January, the Cancel Culture Dictionary, an A to Z guide to winning the war on fun. We will be doing a virtual book signing on the 31st. Myself and Brian Brenberg. If you know anybody who wants an autographed copy of my book, hey, how am I going to get an autographed copy? My dad, my brother, my parole officer likes you. You know, Lincoln just texted me. And he's like, my social studies teacher thinks you're really funny and wanted me to say hello. So I said, well, first of all, tell your social studies teacher to give you an A, whether you deserve it or not. But second of all, if your social studies teacher wants an autographed book, you go to www.jimmysignedbook.com. Dot com Jimmy signed book. That's how you buy an autograph copy. We then get the order, and I will be in my office uh, signing them for hours and days and weeks and months uh, when they go on sale next week. www.jimmysignedbook.com. With that said, we need to get on with the show and do some radio. It is primary day up in New Hampshire. The Trump man, depending on which poll you look at, Big Don sitting on about a 19-point lead over Nikki Haley. According to the Trumpster, okay, who did last night receive an endorsement from Tim Scott and also uh, expressed a little surprise that Tim Scott is engaged. Tim Scott, 
got engaged over the weekend. That's a big deal. It's not every day you throw your whole entire life away. Uh, but there is Tim Scott uh, up in New Hampshire uh, during the event in Laconia talking about his fiance. Trump has a very Trumpian reaction. Clip two. We'll be seeing a lot of them. And we have another one. Everybody knows him. And today was a big story, the biggest story out there. He's engaged to be married. We never thought this was going to happen. What's going on? A very, very fine person, a, a man that we work so closely and I work so closely with. He was in the Senate. He's been there now a long time and one of the most respected people in all of Washington, Senator Tim Scott, South Carolina. <laughs> we never expected that to happen. It almost makes you wonder if he was saying nobody thought the guy was straight. I think he's got a point. It's, we never expected it to happen. Why? Tim Scott's a good-looking guy. Affable fella, always great on this show. But nonetheless, Trump talking about Tim Scott. Of course, that's not the only South Carolina politician he addressed. Here is Trump weighing in on Nikki Haley and her future in the race. Clip one. We had a very good competitor, Ron, as you know, Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. And he uh, fought hard and he fought well. And now we have one left. We started off with, really, if you add some Democrats into it, we started off with 13 and now we're down to two people. And I think one person will be gone probably tomorrow. And the other one will be gone in November. But now is the time for the Republican Party to come together. Wow. So... That is Trump saying Nikki Haley will be gone uh, today. Uh, She was on Fox and Friends this morning. Uh, She says she's got the money. Hell no, I won't go. Here it is, clip three. In his dreams. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) I mean, what I'll tell you is, keep in mind, he got 56,000 votes in a state of 3 million. Is that what we're going to say decides in the country? And I know the political elites are saying we all need to coalesce around him. This is not a coronation. This is a democracy. And so, you know, we are going to have, you know, a strong showing today here in New Hampshire. We're headed to South Carolina. We're going to go through the tape in South Carolina, and then we're on to Super Tuesday. Wow. So she says she is not going anywhere. She's saying she's got the money. Okay, and that she is here to stay, win, lose, or draw up in New Hampshire. Now, DeSantis, to be clear, also told us last Friday that he would be in this thing through the end of March. (laughs) Didn't quite work out that way. What a lot of politicians need to do in this moment is they need to be expressing optimism. They need to be making declarations like we're in it to win it because they need the donors to keep cutting checks. It costs a lot of money to run for political office. It does. Okay, so you've got to be expressing that. Not We've just begun to fight. (laughs) We're going to take this thing down. I believe we can beat Donald Trump. Then you're crazy. Okay, the point is she's expressing a lot of optimism. I don't know that the results will have her singing a different tune in the morning, but I do know she has money because the one thing is, okay, big donors want an insurance policy. Okay, everybody's dropped out of the race. If something debilitating from a legal standpoint happens to Trump, like so much so that the poll numbers actually change, then yes, there's going to be a wild stampede for the GOP nomination. But as it stands, we're heading into New Hampshire tonight, and it's Trump's to, you know, Trump's to lose. Okay, and we know it's Trump's to lose because they've already started the messaging war on the other channel. So Trump yesterday... He spoke to Lawrence Jones. Okay, Lawrence Jones, the newest host on Fox and Friends. Uh, Super talented guy, super sweet, fantastic shoe game, if I do say so myself. 
My only reservations about Lawrence Jones is prior to joining Fox and Friends, he had his own show on Fox News Saturday night. And anyone who pays attention knows that Fox News Saturday night only hires weirdos. Bingo, man, bingo. So you got to be a little concerned. Okay, but Lawrence Jones, an all-around great guy, okay, sits down with Donald Trump up in New Hampshire, outlines, okay, what he considers to be his plan for the border, what he considers to be his pitch to voters in terms of what comes next if Trump wins office, clip 30. We're going to have the same border and even stronger if possible. We're going to have that within 30 days. We'll have that back. Have all the people ready to go. So the border and drill, baby, drill. We're going to get rid of inflation very quickly. We're going to be drilling like you've never seen before. We're going to get and we're going to start paying down debt because we have more liquid gold under our feet than any other country in the world, including Saudi Arabia and Russia. Then we're going to take care of crime. We're going to rebuild our cities. Okay, and, you know, the average person hears that and they go... All right. Okay. So this guy says we're going to close the border. We're going to drill for oil. We'll use that liquid gold profit to pay down debt. Okay. We're going to take care of crime. We're going to rebuild our cities. That's the pitch. Unless you're Rachel Maddow, in which you say Trump apparently is telling voters he'll end elections. Women will be banned. (laughs) You're basically living under Sharia law. You don't ever have to worry about voting again. Listen to this, clip nine. If you pick me, that'll be the end of politics. And you won't have to deal with politics anymore. You won't have to deal with contested elections. You won't have to deal with contests or divisions when it comes to power. You'll have a strongman leader and I'll just do what I want. And won't that be a lot simpler? Um, that's what he's offering. That that strongman model is what the Republican base is enthused about. And that is something that sets him apart from every other Republican candidate. And I think that we're naive to think that he's tricking people into picking him and then mm. surprise, he's going to act like a dictator. I mean, goodness gracious. You are so full of shit. Seriously. So I had an interviewer ask me. It's funny. There's an interview coming out about my show. I wonder if this will make the interview. Somebody asked me which guy I thought was the most full of it in politics, and I did say Rachel Maddow. Correct, mundo. I mean, goodness gracious. Three years of Russia controls our government. The doozy, the doozy about the vaccine stopping transmission. It means that instead of the vaccine being able, excuse me, it means for instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person to person, spreading and spreading, sickening some of them, but not all of them. And the ones that it doesn't sicken don't know they have it. And then they give it to even more people because they didn't recognize they were right. Instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person potentially mutating and becoming more virulent and drug resistant along the way. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means the vaccines will get us to the end of this. Vaccinated people, obviously, sadly, got COVID, and um, hundreds of thousands of them died from COVID. Uh, When was the last time you heard of a legitimate vaccine for polio or the measles or the mumps killing hundreds of thousands of people? The truth is they don't do that because they're actual vaccines.
Okay, but again, this is one of the lies Rachel Maddow dumped on us for years on end and then was like, well, watch out, this Trump guy's full of it. Anyway, okay, her characterization of what Trump is offering to voters is a strong man model. If you pick me, it'll be the end of politics. You won't have to deal with politics, won't have elections. You won't have to deal with contests or divisions when it comes to power. You'll have a strong man leader. I'll do whatever the hell I want. That's what she says his pitch is. Here's his pitch again, just so we're all on the same page. Clip 30. We're going to have the same border and even stronger if possible. We're going to have that within 30 days. We'll have that back. Have all the people ready to go. So the border and drill, baby, drill. We're going to get rid of inflation very quickly. We're going to be drilling like you've never seen before. We're going to get and we're going to start paying down debt because we have more liquid gold under our feet than any other country in the world, including Saudi Arabia and Russia. Then we're going to take care of crime. We're going to rebuild our cities. So basically what he's saying is uh, we're going to prioritize our country. And here's a newsflash. The people who live in our country actually think that's pretty cool. (laughs) Like, wow, wait, what? The president's going to secure the border like the American citizens come first? Whoa. Wait, we're going to use our energy? Instead of selling out to China, who owns all the rare earth minerals for the electric cars that get plugged into the fossil fuel powered, uh, you know, electric grid anyway. Well, that's nuts. Lower crime. Who is this lunatic? What a strong man. (laughs) But the point is, I just played you his pitch and their characterization of it. And I want you to understand, I don't care. You know, my job, my job is to just make sure we're having an honest conversation with each other. It's not my job to make you vote for Trump or any other Republican. But if you're somebody who's new to politics, who listen to the show because you think I have a screw loose, I have several, if we're being honest, I'm a mess. Okay, I just want you to understand that you have an opinion of Donald Trump if you consume regular media that's so wildly distorted from what he is actually appealing to people with. He won the 2020 election because he said, hey, let's get jobs back into our country. Let's stop getting ripped off by our NATO allies who aren't making their pledge money that they're supposed to be spending percentage of GDP on defense. None of these people are spending the money. When something goes down, we become the world's piggy bank. Let's just hold them accountable. And the media was like, oh, he said, screw you, NATO. He declared war against them. (laughs) Never in all my years have I. That's what they do. Okay. Trump is popular with working class voters because Trump's priorities Okay, are working class voters. It's not about strong men. It's not about ending elections. And to be clear, Trump winning an election wouldn't end contested elections. We only know that because Rachel Maddow and everyone on the left spent the last three years contesting the last election. They said it was stolen. So, again, I'm not sitting here telling you Trump is some type of a genius. But compared to these people, these carnies, uh, he is an expert on just about everything. It's the fastest part of your workday. Wow, you're pretty quick for a big guy. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I've always been consistent on this. I wanted to be strong in Iowa. We started with 2%. We finished with 20%. I want to be even stronger in New Hampshire. And then I want to be stronger than that in South Carolina. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And you've got 
really the political and, and media elite saying everybody needs to coalesce around Donald Trump. He literally got 56,000 votes out of a state of 3 million. That's it. We're, we don't believe in coronations in this country. We believe in democracy. I'm in this for the long haul. Whoa, that's Nikki Haley saying she's not going anywhere. Uh, get her out. Get her out of here. Uh, we don't know that she will uh, after tonight, one way or the other, win, lose, or draw. But uh, here she is yesterday on stage in Salem, New Hampshire, uh, getting trolled a bit by a Trump voter. Clip seven. But you know what? We've got a lot on the line here. We really do. And you look at what's happening in this election. Yes. You marry me? Are you going to vote for me? Uh, get out of here. <laughs> this guy's a serious ass. So he goes, Nikki, will you marry me? And she goes, are you going to vote for me? And he goes, I'm going to vote for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a trolling effort. Well, I will tell you this, though. The campaigns that have the most fun are going to win right now. The world's on fire. Everybody hates each other. We've never been this divided in our lifetime. Okay, the fact that the Trump train does have this rollicking vibe to it where Trump is kind of a character. He gets a lot of laughs. He does impressions. Okay, it is effective, especially when it comes to who he's mocking, which are the elites. That's the superpower of comedy is to mock the elites. Phil Mattingly over on CNN can't figure out why people aren't upset by Trump's rhetoric. I have a good understanding of why, but here he is trying to make sense of it. Clip 10. The thing that I don't understand about this, and I'm not criticizing Jamie Dimon or that view of, of, of what he's saying or what you're saying about Hillary Clinton and the deplorables candidate, is like Trump says awful things about Democrats and supporters of Joe Biden and supporters of Hillary Clinton and everything like that, way worse than deplorables or you don't like them. And no one seems to care. Like The deep offense that is taken when Hillary Clinton says deplorables or people call Donald Trump supporters, MAGA people, is not reflected. And I'd like to know why. You can't handle the truth. Okay, it's not Joe Biden, just so we're clear, called Republicans semi-fascists. He called Republicans Jim Crow on steroids. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in, in Georgia. Jim Crow, worse than the Klan, who denied people the right to vote. Spare me the outrage, dude. But it comes as no surprise because, of course, it's happening on CNN where they want you to believe they're the high ground folks. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Primary day up in New Hampshire. Nobody with higher poll numbers than my next guest, the host of Fox News Sunday. Shannon Bream in the house. The crowd goes wild. Hey, girl. It's good to be with you, Jimmy. How are you? I'll say. Uh, you picked the right primary because I would imagine it's a little warmer than Iowa, right? Isn't it silly? But we got so excited that when we like hit the 20s here in New Hampshire, we're like, woohoo, wear the bikinis. <laughs> People are wearing Hawaiian shirts. I love this. I know. Compared to Iowa, it is balmy and beautiful. I will say. Well, we're very much engaged in a Looney Tunes cartoon tonight. Do you remember when Bugs Bunny fought the Crusher? I'm trying to think. I'm getting in my way back machine. Well, I will take you there. So there was an Please old do. Bugs Bunny episode. 
Okay, and I didn't mean to stump you out of the gate, but you're so good with this stuff. <laughs> if there's anyone, I'd throw one of these at it to you. Okay, uh, Bugs Bunny. Uh, it's a famous episode where he winds up in a boxing match, a wrestling match, against someone called the Crusher, who's oh. this big behemoth of a human being who's an eight million to one favorite in Las Vegas. But as you know, Bugs Bunny was savvy. You know, Bugs Bunny could blind the ref, you know, hit somebody with a Buick, whatever Bugs Bunny needed to do. I mean, (laughs) one of the reasons Bugs Bunny retired undefeated, only fighter besides Rocky Marciano to do it, was of that in-ring savvy. Well, in any event, um, we're looking at what seems like on paper a Bugs Bunny versus the Crusher tonight with Trump playing the role of the the Crusher. Uh, Mm -hmm. Does Nikki Haley have an uh, opportunity to Bugs Bunny her way out of this mess or are we grading this on a curve? We will see. I mean, tonight, the proof is in the pudding. This is it, because New Hampshire is probably Nikki Haley's best chance to pull off some kind of upset if she's going to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, there are more undeclared voters in this state. They're the biggest group of voters, uh, bigger than the GOP and the Democrat uh, folks, their registrations. So if you have more than 300,000 people here undeclared and they actually show up and go vote in the GOP primary, which they can, Mm -hmm. that would actually be huge. And New Hampshire has done some crazy stuff in the past that was unexpected. Mm. Um, Not that I'm saying voting for Nikki Haley is crazy. I'm just saying they've upset the polls and done all kinds of things. The Boston Globe's editorial endorsement of her this weekend Mm -hmm. basically was making that argument saying, you got to save this country from Trump. You're the end of democracy. Show up independence and vote for Nikki Haley on Tuesday and really make this a race. So, If that happens, okay, interesting, and we continue on. But her team is saying today, no matter what happens, they're staying in through the next month or two where there are going to be 20 or more state contests, including the big prizes on Super Tuesday. Yeah, we're talking to Shannon Bream. And that's the bottom line is, you know, if you want to run for office in this day and age, you look at it like being popular in high school. You need a lot of beer money. And, uh, you know, my, my takeaway is she can afford a couple of cases of Strohs right now based on what the donors think. Yeah, and, and her team is saying they got $1.5 million in small-dollar donations since DeSantis dropped out on Sunday. So they're trying to telegraph moving forward. They're going to have money. The people are going to come in. You know, there are a couple of big events that are reportedly coming together with her mm-hmm. for some, you know, some really big high-donor people. But I think they're all waiting to see what happens tonight. Okay, so this and matters. And if she comes out of here, you know, with within shooting distance, mm-hmm. as we say, yeah. um, of the president or pulls off some kind of upset mm-hmm. – She's got to convince those donors it's close enough to continue spending money. Okay, so maybe not. She doesn't necessarily have to win. She has to cover the spread, though. Okay, it's got to keep it yeah. close. If you look at it in Vegas, like gambling terms, if, she mm-hmm, can, mm-hmm. if, the, if the gamblers make money, they're happy to bet on your team again in a month or so. Right, and I was saying yesterday, I need to go check the Vegas odds on this because they bet on everything, yes. as you know. Yep. So I am interested to see what Vegas thinks about the possibilities here. i got to tell you, most of the polling that has happened here that we've been citing the last few days doesn't sample independence. They're mm-hmm. polling likely GOP primary yep. voters. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, you're missing a big swath of people here that could deliver a surprise. Yeah, well, fair. Uh, Shannon Bream, let me throw this at you, okay? Uh, according... Okay, to the Action Network, which is a gambling site that gives you percentages and odds on teams. Trump is minus what this means is he's minus 5000. So what that means is in order for you to make one hundred dollars on Donald Trump, you have to risk five thousand. 
Uh, consequently, on Haley, if you were to bet $100 and she were to win the state, you would make $2,400. So she's a significant yeah. underdog. They're giving Trump mm-hmm. a 95% chance to win. But now here's an interesting mm-hmm. caveat. If you were on this website as I was in election night 2016, Hillary Clinton's odds were about two right. ticks below where Trump's are right now. She had about a 93% chance to win. So anything can happen mm-hmm. is what you're saying. Well, I think what you're saying is they should stick to Fox News all night long for live coverage. Uh, coverage of the well, primaries without a doubt and also that you might have a gambling problem <laughs> shannon bream staging an intervention right here on the air we all I'm knew it had to happen because we love you jimmy uh, no you and know. I, I appreciate that can we no, th- i love that data it's so interesting no it does matter and uh there's another reason to watch tonight beyond the suspense of who wins the primary uh the fox team builds the best sets anywhere in television <laughs> do, do they not though like the wood desks and all the beams and all oh, the lighting it's Gorgeous. Like we should be we should be touring with you, too, or something like that. I am in awe of these men and women who drag these. I mean, massive amounts of equipment literally all over the country. And then we show up and they're putting on final touches and it's beautiful. It's colorful. It's interesting. I can't imagine how many man and female hours go to just organizing this thing. If Mm -hmm. you peek behind the curtain of the things they have set up, I mean, the scramble of cables and wires and all those things. Listen, I'm glad there are smart people around here who know how to do this No, for real. Like, I I heard Taylor Swift say that Fox has big production at their events. She was like, wow, they put on a heck of a big show. Uh, Shannon Bream, one more question the American people are dying Mm -hmm. to know the answer to. This matters, okay? We launched a new TV show on Fox News a couple of weeks. Ago. It's called Fox News Saturday Night Jimmy Fallon. No, hey, thanks. It matters. Okay. But we have a special segment on the show. We don't do it every week because it's only reserved for Fox News royalty. So the first one, of course, was Dana Perino was off the meter, and then Bill Hemmer was off the meter. And now we're just holding spots for a specific, specific group of people that we, of course, consider you a part of. Uh, okay. Is there a world where when you're in New York, we're going to get you on the show? Or can you at least commit to that insincerely on the air? Right now. I will commit sincerely. I Shout would be honored. You stop Yes, I am honored. Pencil me in. You stop Give me some dates and I'll be there. <laughs> Pencil me in in the most erasable ink you have. I can't. <laughs> no, not one, one of those pens that we got back in the 1980s. They were so excited to see if it actually erased. Not that. Actual use a Sharpie. Give a real Sharpie. A Sharpie. Notice yeah. you still didn't say permanent marker, folks, but we're on the case, Shanna Bream. This matters. <laughs> I would love to. In, in terms of that being a win for the American people, the Action Network has the odds at 100%. So there you go. Uh, Shannon okay. Bream, you're the best. Good luck in New Hampshire. Stay warm. We'll see when you get back. See you soon. Miss you already. There she goes, the great Shannon Bream, who says she will do my show. Oh, girl. It's a big step up in class. The, the people that we are fraternizing with uh, on this network, you just, you know, I bring it up a lot because it's hilarious. Okay, in terms of like someone like Shannon Bream, it's about 400 IQ points higher than I am right now as I sit here talking to you. Wrong. Uh, She is. I'm just being silly. (laughs) Like someone like Dana, somebody like Hammer. So smart. Okay, I'm just like a sort of a human being and I know how to talk to people uh, as you do, because when you drive a taxi, people get in every day and you don't have the luxury of being like, hey, we're only accepting passengers uh, with my IQ level or lower. Okay, because sadly, that would restrict me to like three passengers a day. You can't make a very good living picking up people who are restricted to my level of intellect. But the point she makes about tonight, which is interesting, is that unlike Iowa in New Hampshire, the fact that unaffiliated voters have the right to vote. If you wanted to switch parties, you had to do that back in October. 
So people are lying online when they're like, Democrats are going to vote for Nikki Haley tonight. She's a liberal. That's not a real thing. That's a Twitter thing. Okay, you had till the last week of October to change your party affiliation if you wanted to vote in tonight's primaries. And what she's telling you is that as of that final week of October, there are about 3,000 people that are unaffiliated that could vote whatever way they want because Nikki's coming into this with a heavy editorial endorsement from the Boston Globe, which is a paper of significant influence up there. We could see a surprise. I didn't say we're going to. Okay, and understand... That endorsements didn't mean a hell of a whole lot in Iowa. And if you don't believe me, ask President Ron DeSantis, okay, who wrote in with Kim Reynolds, a very popular governor's endorsement, and wrote out slumped over his horse with $130 million worth of campaign cash in the fire. Okay, but the point I got from talking to Bream is that's why you play the game. Okay, the betting odds right now have given Trump a 95.8% chance of winning this thing. Nikki Haley coming in with a 3.9% chance, and then they still have to uh, throw odds out there on other candidates. So they throw a .10 for Vivek just because of the potential for write-ins for DeSantis and for Chris Christie. Now, in theory, all three of them are out of the race. But because they have name recognition, they could be written in. This is as of 1122 Eastern today, today, January the 23rd. So Trump going in with a 95 percent chance of winning. Nikki Haley coming in just below 4 percent. Anything can actually happen. uh, And it'll be fascinating to see one way or the other, because what happens tonight, and I kind of liked this about Iowa, is Iowa was Tyson Spinks. If you remember when Mike Tyson fought Michael Spinks, We were supposed to have the fight of the century. It was over in 91 seconds. Okay, that was the Iowa caucuses. Every channel in America called it for Trump the minute tickets went on sale. Like, oh, it's over. Some people are like, wait, we haven't even voted. We haven't even, that's over. It's over. And uh, he won uh, because the turnout was that. That's so for him. They only had about 110,000 people, which was far below what they expected statewide. But an overwhelming amount of those voters were Trump voters. So they were able to declare the winner early. And then it turned the night into what does this mean? So, you know, over here on Fox, we talked about, you know, Iowa and the impact it might have on New Hampshire, specifically the fundraising for guys like Ron DeSantis. And a lot of the analysis you heard that night on Fox was prescient because DeSantis did wind up dropping out, as many people predicted. Uh, Nikki Haley, of course, got a bounce from the donors because DeSantis was out of the race. The establishment does want someone to stand toe-to-toe to Trump. And I'm not saying she's like an establishment shill the way some people might tell you on Twitter. I'm just saying they do want to hedge their bets. The guy's under 91 different indictments. Does that mean I think they're all legitimate? Of course not. But the reality is he could be criminally convicted for some of these. That's true. That is true. And if that's the case, and it does alter his poll numbers, like right now he's within the margin of error against Biden head to head. Okay, Nikki Haley is beating Biden across the board in the real real politics average by 10 points in aggregate. So she does better in the general than Trump does by a lot. They're going to donate money to a woman of that stature. Because on the off chance in the eventuality that maybe Trump isn't on the ballot, they really want to win this election. I don't know if you guys heard, but the Democrats aren't doing the best job of running the country right now. 
So when you hear that donors are going to Haley, it's not, she's a puppet. She's a globalist. She's a neocon. I learned phrases on Twitter, you guys. No, they're donating to her because they don't want another four years of Democrat rule. Biden sucks. And the truth is, what really makes this so interesting is that Haley's competing against Trump in a vacuum. Because if Trump wins tonight, as we'd expect him to, okay, and Haley does stick around for another month till you get into March and you have all the big, you know, Super Tuesdays and everything in between, okay, there's still the reality that if we have a winner by then, we still don't know who they're running against. If you don't think there is a war raging in Democratic circles behind closed doors over who the nominee happens to be, you are an actual crazy person. Tell them like it is. Okay, when every one of Barack Obama's surrogates get on TV and go, you know, Biden's too old, we're concerned about the polls, Trump poses a great threat to the country, we really need to take this seriously, what they're saying is... Biden sucks. Uh Oh, I'm in trouble. Okay, if Obama's top advisors are on TV saying we really got to concern ourselves with this Biden fella, that is Obama getting on TV and saying we really got to concern ourselves with this Biden fella. I agree with that. Which means he may not be long for this race. I don't actually expect him to, to stay on the ballot. I actually don't. As crazy as that sounds to some people because, you know, presidential power is hard to give up. We really don't have an example of it. You know, in recent history, you got to go back to Lyndon Johnson to point some of that out. Okay, it's crazy to think you might witness that in this moment. And the only thing that might provide his saving grace is the fact that he is out of it. Meaning the fact that you look at Biden every day and you're like, we have a president that is clearly not all there. But as much as that concerns you, if you're a D.C. bureaucrat who has a lot more power under this president than they would if they had someone who was cognitively sound, that makes Biden more appealing. That's really that's Biden's only chance of staying on the ballot is if he's so incapacitated that they can really hide him between now and Election Day and just keep throwing Trump on court TV and let the media keep screaming and yelling about how he's going to ban elections and, you know, your daughters aren't going to have rights and he's going to kill all the gay people and ban all the minorities and all the crazy rhetoric that they manufacture. And everybody in Hollywood will be having die-ins in the streets and they'll put on pussy hats and march to Washington. You know, all of that stuff is coming if Trump gets the nomination. All of it's coming. Okay, and then it just remains to be seen whether or not that's adequate enough to make the anti-Trump vote high enough that it can overcome the fact that there's actually no passion for Joe Biden. Because that's what 2020 was. No one vi- voted for Biden. They voted against Trump. But if that's the sales pitch that you've got to go with two elections in a row, all you're really saying to the American people is our candidates suck. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. He's the most talented man on the radio, but he needs your help. We all know somewhere underneath all of that bright color, there's a man who's not right. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Emily Campagno is coming up. Byron Donalds coming up from the great state of Florida. Uh, We'll talk about the primary. We'll talk about what's next. Here's Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden giving a speech yesterday. I don't remember that ever happening. Uh, And he addresses once again uh, the wrong member of his cabinet. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> he's calling out to ha- Javier Becerra, except there's one small problem. Javier Becerra wasn't there. Homeland Security Mayorkas was. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. Clip 14. I'd also like to thank the gender policy advisor, my gender policy advisor, Jen Klein. Jen, where's Jen sitting? There you are, Jen. Thank you. And Secretary Becerra sitting right next to her for their leadership in this task force. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Secretary Becerra was not there. (laughs) Man. Woo! What a time to be alive, you guys. Here is Biden last week in North Carolina calling out the Deborah Ross, also not there. Clip 15. I also want to mention Congressman Deborah Ross. Where's Deborah? I just had my picture taken with her. That's probably why she left. No, all kidding aside. Anyway, oh, she couldn't be here, actually. That's not true. I got it mixed up. And she has, you know, she fights very hard for the people of this district, and she's up in Washington right now. Have you ever had a check? (laughs) That's Biden. I just took a picture with her a minute ago. No, you didn't, because she wasn't there. Now, to his credit, he eventually figured out she wasn't there. You know who else isn't there? Joe Biden. Bingo. (laughs) This is a mess. And it's only going to get messier uh, because no serious person thinks this guy is going to go the distance. I know he says he can, but like I said, no serious person. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. And here we go. Big hour coming up on Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. One of my buddies, Emily Campagno, outnumbered co-host, host of the Fox True Crime podcast, talks to us about Nikki Haley's efforts to steal the New Hampshire primaries. I don't mean steal, break the rules. I just mean get out of town with a win that nobody, and I mean nobody, sees coming. He knows what he's talking about. 888-788-9910 if you want a piece of the show. Also, the phone number, as always, if you don't want a piece of the show and you've just had it with me and my antics. and Shut up. You're welcome to call in and tell us that as well. Stop talking to me. That sort of thing. But as we get on the air right now in this hour, we're going to leave behind the Republican Party for a minute. I'm going to play you a clip from Kamala Harris. No, God! Got to do it. I got, listen, it's part of my job. Okay, if I, I always say this is America's family meeting. You know, we sit around the table, talk about what happened at school and work that day, share our tales, our travels. Okay, that's what we do. If I have to hear this before the show, you got to hear it during the show. That's how it works. You can buy me out if you go pre-order my book at foxnewsbooks.com. Uh, Cancel Culture Dictionary comes out January 30th, uh, and it is my guide to winning the war on fun. I tell you this all the time. We're fighting a lot of the wrong battles because the era of weaponized censorship has left us policing comedians harder than we police our streets, policing movies to make sure they're diverse enough instead of whether or not they're actually good. <laughs> you know, Jason Aldean sang Try That in a Small Town, which was an anthem about stopping violent criminals. People got madder at the guy singing about stopping violent criminals than the actual violent criminals. That's stupid. Use your common sense. But that happened. You know, 
Jason Aldean's song was basically saying, hey, you know, bring it on, dirtbags. And the song was popular. Why? Because we got a lot of dirtbags out there. Okay, people felt, people empathized with the footage, which was real, in the video. Okay, but of course, in the era of weaponized censorship and outrage culture, everybody was like, we got to do something about the guy with the guitar because he's singing about the robbers and the rapists. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. A lot of people are. That's why Al Dean's song worked. That's also why it's written about in my book, which is a lot more comedic than this little tangent I'm going on right now. Good gosh, Jimmy, so cranky. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I did tell you I have to play a Kamala Harris clip, and that doesn't always leave me in the best of moods. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. Ha-ha! So here is Kamala. Okay, they have her making the media rounds. She goes on to CNN. And predictably, you know, a little double talk, a couple of dumb answers. You'll hear the fake laugh where she goes straight up Woody Woodpecker. (laughs) But the big thing she's trying to sell now, okay, is a lie about Democrats and the southern border. Now, if you remember, okay, Joe Biden on Friday played you the clip yesterday. He admitted the border is not secure. Border's not secure. I haven't believed it was secure for 10 years. They got to give me the money. That was the clip. I played it for you. Okay. Wasn't great audio because there was a band and a helicopter in the background on the White House lawn. But essentially, Biden went out there, said the border is not secure, and I need money from Republicans so we can secure it. The only small problem is Democrats have spent the last year telling us it was secure. Clip 29. It is my testimony that the border is secure. The president has worked very hard to implement a strategy when it comes to the border that is humane, safe, and and has orderly enforcement. How do you think things are going at the border, sir? Much better than than you all expected. (laughs) We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. We have responded with a model approach that has proven to work. And we have a process in place to manage migrants at the border. We're working to make sure it's safe and orderly and humane. We're executing a comprehensive strategy to secure our borders. One of our highest priorities is to ensure that we have a secure border. And that is what we are doing. The border is secure. Democrats are so full of crap. I mean, seriously, guys, here's a question. If the border is secure... How the hell have 8 million people gotten in? I think he's got a point. Yeah, and you know what the point is? The point is... You are so full of sh. We know it's not secure. Someone tells you something's secure, that means nothing's getting in, nothing's getting out. 8 million migrants into the country because they let them in. Okay, when they start talking to you about, oh, we need money. Okay, listen to me. They had a border policy in place that cut illegal border crossings by 80%. Okay, they, on the first day in office, signed an executive order reversing those policies. You have no idea how to defend a nation. Okay, that's what they did. We're going to pay money to destroy the materials that were left for this wall because we ran for office by claiming border security was racist. 
and they stood their ground. And that montage you heard where Biden goes, eh, border's a lot more secure than you guys expected it to. Ha, 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 ha. I mean, man. You are the lowest form of life on earth. And why do I say that? Because that was Biden, if you remember, they did a visit to the southern border, 40 miles from the actual border, where they swept all of the migrants up off the streets. So we wouldn't get down there with the press and see the overflow. The reason they're starting to talk about border security now is because the overflow has gotten so big, it's now in every major city in America, and there's nowhere to put the people. Ergo, we all know it's happening. So now they're trying to say things like, well, no, of course the border's not secure. We all knew the border wasn't secure. You know, other than that one-year montage Jimmy Fallon just played of us all saying it was secure, we all knew it wasn't secure the whole time. This is politics as usual. This is why people hate politicians, and I mean hate them. You don't want to wish him harm. That's not what we do on this show or any show, okay? You have a series of checks and balances at the ballot box. But if you care about the country, if you care about the quality of your kid's education, okay, you should be really upset about this border crisis because every major city that's being forced to take in migrants is now overcrowding classrooms and doing so with a lot of kids who don't even speak English. This could be a problem. And again, I don't begrudge people coming to this country and trying to make a better life for themselves. The only thing I'm telling them to do is come here legally, legally, so they don't strain the system and they don't empower drug cartels who have turned our border into a $2 billion a year industry. Think about that. The border is so secure that people are making $2 billion a year crossing it. Think about that, man. Okay, so now that it's become a political liability, okay, not, you know, the last 7 million people that were part of a humanitarian crisis, 30% of the women who cross this border illegally get sexually assaulted. That was not worth addressing. That was worth staging a photo op where they swept all the migrants off the streets in McCallum, Texas. Biden went down there, ate a sandwich, got a, you know, butter pecan ice cream cone and got back on Air Force One and was like, see, no problem here. That's what they did. Okay, but after those 7 million people weren't worth acknowledging, the next million needed some place to go besides Texas because Greg Abbott was out of room. They were tired of crushing their infrastructure. They started sending the migrants to the sanctuary cities who had told us under Trump that no human being was illegal. If you don't want them, we'll take them because we should be building bridges and not walls. Fine. Well, here you go. Here's a bunch of migrants, at which point all the sanctuary cities said, get them out of here. Get him out. We can't take him. We don't have room. No human being is illegal. Doesn't mean we want him. It just means you take him so we don't have to. The Democrats aren't calling out Joe Biden. They're calling out Republicans. Joe Biden opened the border, just so you understand. Okay, we had two things in place. Remain in Mexico being the biggest. People apprehended at our southern border were being forced to remain in Mexico until their asylum case was granted. So when they called home and they said, hey, did you make it into America? They said no. They forced us to remain in Mexico, and we're going to be there for a few years till our asylum case gets granted, at which point the people that they called who were deciding whether or not to come decide to stay home because they realize they're not getting in. Correct the mundo. Okay, but now, because we got rid of remain in Mexico, everybody apprehended at our southern border gets let right in, at which point they call the next group of people thinking about coming, and they say, we got in. At which point, everybody on the other end of the phone is like, let's go, baby. So 
when they tell you things, okay, about the border, you understand anything we're dealing with is a byproduct of their mismanagement. They got rid of Remain in Mexico. They got rid of Title 42, which was a COVID-era health screening policy. They said, hey, we should be screening people at the border for health reasons, you know, because back here in America, people can't go to school. They can't go to church. They can't go to the mall. They can't go to a restaurant. They can't board a plane because we're really concerned about COVID. So under the Trump administration, they implemented Title 42. So we said, hey, if we're going to lock down Americans, we should make sure we're not letting people through our southern border who are adhering to the same health protocols. You know, take the pandemic seriously. The Biden administration fought all the way to the Supreme Court and got rid of Title 42. So we don't have to screen people for health purposes. Yeah, no, Americans do. Yeah, you got to make sure you guys are okay. But if 8 million people want to walk across the border all willy-nilly, we're not going to check them. What are we talking about? Do you remember Jen Psaki famously told us, well, we don't have to screen them because they're not planning to stay in America. I mean, you know, they're just walking a thousand miles on a day trip. They were going to go whale watching. The boat was overbooked. They're like, I got it. We'll walk a thousand miles to America and back. Can you imagine? Jen Saki said that with a straight face. Saki sucks. Kaylee was so much better. But you understand, these are the words of people who don't care what happens to the migrants. If you're encouraging them to come here illegally, you don't care what happens to them, nor do you care about the burden it imposes on the rest of the country. Here is Kamala Harris on CNN saying Republicans are the problem. Clip 31. There is no question that our immigration system is broken. And so much so that we, as the first bill that we offered after our inauguration was to fix the immigration system, which included what we must do to create a pathway for citizenship Mm -hmm. and to put the resources that are needed into the border. But sadly, people on the other side of the aisle have been playing politics with this issue. That is a lie. Okay, just so we're clear, the first thing they did when they got into office was they halted border wall construction, canceled the Remain in Mexico policy, and canceled Title 42. The three things that had cut illegal border crossings by 80%, they undid their first day in office. Okay, when she talks to you about, oh, we got a broken immigration system, okay, people aren't coming because of our immigration system being broken. They're coming because they're getting into the country. That is correct. Okay, if you fix up the immigration system and the people coming here legally get their cases and their asylum cases and everything else heard in an expedited fashion one way or the other, okay, it's still not going to impact what they do at the border. Okay, if they're getting into the border, they're going to come to the border. If they're not getting let into the border, they're not going to come to the border. So the fact that we've taken in 8 million people is because we chose to let them in Okay, because the Democrats want open borders. They want to, and they acknowledge this now. A year ago, it was considered a racist replacement theory to say they're trying to change the demographics. Now they get on TV and they're like, Texas will be a blue state in no time because of all the people coming across our southern border. But Buenos Dias. Buenos Dias. Okay, but to be clear, the people coming across southern border are coming from over 150 countries. It's not just South America. They're coming from other sides of the world. That's why we've caught so many people on the terror, terror watch list and had so many more people get away. Okay, but here's a little more Kamala telling you it's the Republicans. This is clip 32. The solutions are at hand. And, you know, gone are the days, sadly, where a President Bush or John McCain 
understood that we should have a bipartisan approach to fixing this problem, which is a long-standing problem. But what are those solutions? The solutions includes putting resources at the border to do what we can to process people effectively and putting in place laws that actually allow for a meaningful, meaningful pathway to citizenship. What would you do with a brain if you had one? It's a good question because she didn't answer the other question, which is what do you do to stop people from crossing the southern border, something she never answered. Ah, uh, you have a good eye, my man. But you understand every one of these people crossing the border, okay? God love them. I don't wish them any ill will. This is the greatest country in the world, okay? But when you're letting them into this country illegally, not only are you doing so as a danger to them, but you're doing it at the expense of every legal citizen in this country. Welcome to the Biden administration, home to the new slogan, America Last. A show so good, it moves the stock market. The Dow racing up on Jimmy's remarks. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Back and forth border battle taking place right now between the Biden administration and the state of Texas. Supreme Court ruling that we can take down the barbed wire fence Texas had erected as a means of stopping people from crossing the border and, you know, drowning in a river. Supreme Court was like, no, Texas, you can't protect your state. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. But why is Texas doing it? Because the Biden administration is literally fighting to keep it open. Here's John Kennedy talking about it last night, clip 33, Senator Kennedy. President Biden and, and many of my Democratic colleagues believe in open borders. And number two, I think it's time for the American people to wake up and smell the incompetence. I mean, the border is wide open. As, and as I've said before, uh, it's, it, that's man-made, and the man's name is Joe Biden. If the White House... How can I put this? If the White House were a football team and performed like this, we would have already fired the coach, the athletic director, and the mascot. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. Would have fired the whole team. Okay. They've let the country wide open. And you dig. What's actually happening is the consequence of that is borne out by the rank and file people. You know, if you are a New York City school teacher right now, there was a week last week where kids got sent home from school because it was going to be a rainstorm and the migrants were intense. And so they're like, sorry, kids, no school today. I know only 30 percent of you can read, <laughs> but we may have to dip that number a little bit because we've let migrants into the country illegally and housing them and sheltering them in your school uh, is what we've got to do. OK, that's what's happening. That happens around the country. Veterans are homeless. You fight for this country, you're in the streets. You sneak in illegally, you're in the suites. Think about that. Where is this administration's effort to homeless veterans? We should have a single homeless veteran in this country. I understand people can get addicted to drugs in any walk of life, all kinds of mental illness and stuff going on out there. But should it not be the priority of every single person in this country to make sure that the ones who actually are willing to die for your freedom get taken care of after the fact? Okay, these guys go over and serve the country overseas. Do you know what the suicide rate for veterans is right now? It's mind-blowing. 
And there's nothing being done to address that on the level of, well, someone snuck into the country illegally. We should probably give them free health care and pay for their sex change. That's what's going on in California. And you're getting the bill for all of this stupidity. Thanks, big government weenuses. We'll talk about it. Try to lower the temperature. We've got Emily Campagno coming by next, the human happy hour. She'll cheer us up because Jimmy's a little cranky. Listen to him. There it is, Fox Across America, with Jimmy Fallon fired up to talk to this next guest. I always say she's the human happy hour. And uh, literally, we witnessed it in person on my couch this past weekend. She was watching football with Jenny Fallon and the gang. Uh, Probably stayed an hour later than we wanted her to, but it was fun. Uh, I'm just giving you a long intro so you can finish chewing, you animal. (laughs) Emily Campagno is in, and uh, she's now free to speak. Hello. Let's be clear, you guys. I am the gang. Jimmy always makes it sound like I'm like the stray, like the the addendum. I'm Mm. not, man. I'm the gang. You are. I'm the one that hazes everyone else when they arrive. No, I consider you leadership in our posse. But I have to say, since the Dairy Queen closed around your house, it like plummeted the stock value of coming to your house. That might be a rumor that we spread to get all you city people to stop coming out to the suburbs. I was like, Jenny, tell him Dairy Queen closed. I was so disappointed. Yeah, the Dairy Queen by us did close. Uh, and I'm not just telling you that because wardrobe asked me to. <laughs> Emily Campagno <laughs> is here. I kid. I hate you. Come on. Happy Tuesday. It's primary day. Uh, listen, man, me and you don't, don't talk a lot of politics on this show, and we're not going to today. Uh, but, like, I feel bad for everybody because, like, you do have to go up there if you work for a network tonight and be like, oh, it's a big night in New Hampshire. <laughs> and it's like I was saying this to Shannon Bream. It's Bugs Bunny versus the Crusher, except there's no Bugs Bunny. Like, when Bugs Bunny fought the Crusher, he was like an 8 million to 1 underdog in Las Vegas, the Crusher being this big behemoth that was going to smash Bugs Bunny in a wrestling ring. But Bugs Bunny found a way to beat the Crusher. I don't believe we're dealing with a Bugs Bunny scenario. Do you liken Nikki Haley to Bugs Bunny? You being a Muppet yourself. Yeah. I just was hung up on the Crusher thinking about the drink, the Orange Crush. Oh, that yeah, is there you like go. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. That's, so I don't know what you even said, nor do I care. Look, what does it say to you <laughs> that the whole network is in New Hampshire except for you and me holding down the fort? It says that we're the New Yorkers. They're yes. like, we got trusted to yeah, like yeah. babysit. You know, yeah. we got trusted with the house. They left us the home with the house. Left. Exactly. Everybody's gone. There's literally. <laughs> I love it. We were going to shoot a package for the Saturday Night Show today. I'm not kidding. They're like, we can't. We have no crews. <laughs> They're all in New Hampshire. Look, every one of them. The hallways are empty. And I was curious because, you know, I was like, how is it that this little town in New Hampshire has the infrastructure to hold what essentially descends on it for 48 hours, which is like the entire news media of the country? I mean, it's a it's a big turnout. It's a good week to run a diner. Uh, It's probably a good. I mean, listen, if all the pop media is in town it's a great week to run an escort service i don't know what kind of quality they have up there the new hampshire davos i think I you, you got your stories mixed up buddy <laughs> I don't know what that's they got davos dude I, would you rather be in mm, new hampshire right now because mm-hmm. i heard there was a steakhouse attached to yeah. our building there or be in davos oh you have to pick one i would actually take new hampshire just a nice, quick roadie. I don't feel like flying to Davos. Look at this guy. He's such a company John, man, you guys. Now that John Jimmy hosts Kerry. Saturday and Stop has it. a book out, he's no, like, I, I choose fuck. I fly enough. I choose fuck. I got to go to L.A. next weekend, like a quick 48-hour there and back nice. before a book signing and like all that. It's like a juice cleanse going to L.A. for 24 yeah, yeah, hours. You know, you get some sunshine. You get wheatgrass in your coffee. Yeah, 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 totally. Pretend you care about yourself. We're going to do that. I do. I do find it funny. 
Uh, but I will tell you this. I have a soft spot for New Hampshire. You might appreciate this. Me and our buddy Dean Imperial were up at uh, St. Anselm College, which is where they had one of the debates. And we were doing a stand-up show up there. And I was wearing, like, one of my, like, white sport coats, like Miami Vice look. And that's where the heckle comes from. Someone called me and Dean Jacksonville Vice. They're like, you're not young enough and cute enough to be Miami Vice. I love it. I was like, that's actually an amazing heckle. Like, and I took it with me in life. And I credit that crowd anytime the reference comes up. Jacksonville Jacksonville Vice. Vice. You're going to get some personality out of the New Hampshire people. I've been to a couple of town halls. I went to a... uh, when we were up there on tour, because we have nothing to do on a Saturday, everyone in the world, as you know, because it's an early primary state, it's the first primary, uh, goes up there for town halls. So that summer, we're talking like August, I, on one day there was a Christie town hall, there was a Jeb Bush town hall, there was a Cruz town hall, and a Trump town hall. And uh, we were at most of them. It's pretty funny. And then we did the gig like that night. We're just like, oh, comedy. But it was bizarre. So I think what happens is if your state is hosting a primary or a caucus, it's probably cool for about an hour. And then it's like it's, you're just so besieged with commercials and people and everything else that they're probably just happy it's over by the end of the day. I used to live in a 600-person beach town in Northern California. Mm-hmm. And it's on the coast, huge cliffs off Highway 1 north of San Francisco. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And we depended on tourists and we hated them at the same time. <laughs> and every weekend in the summers, that's what it was like. It was, it was a dissension upon uh-huh. the town. And, you know, it was our bars. It was our market. It was our beach. And we had to sort of surrender it begrudgingly. And so I feel like that I would, I would think it would be similar where you, you can't bite the hand that feeds you, but at the same time you're like, oh, please leave. You know, all of a sudden the, the, you're used to being like, Jim, the usual. And then all of a sudden you're like in a line 20 people deep with everyone ordering like, I want a double hot fudge latte, oat milk, whatever, you know. And you're like, this is hideous. I think the funniest thing about candidates, though, I was thinking uh-huh. about this yesterday, is they're like such an amazing ability to forgive these barbs and these horrible like yep. attacks and be like, I will be honored to have your endorsement <laughs> once they I'm like, you look at me wrong. I yeah. wish you nothing but death. I put a curse <laughs> on your family and I will never forget these guys. I'm so amazed at their generosity. I'm like, wow, like the Avengers on stage uh, with Trump. I mean, it's amazing. I'm, I I'm not saying that I'm just saying this truly with admiration. I think the, it's incredible. They can pivot. Yes. Yes. Emily Campagna's in studio. You make a good point because yeah. in 2016, Trump literally posted a picture and called Ted Ted Cruz's wife a dog. And three weeks later, Ted Cruz is on stage in Cleveland like, Trump's the guy. (laughs) It's unbelievable. And that's what you got to do. There's like a million reasons why you and I could never be in politics, but that's probably my main one. (laughs) We're not going to let it go. Yeah. We're not going to let it go. No one would be alive. That's funny. You are the Mitch Blood Green of cable news. So people don't know this. Some of you listening may get the reference, but Mike Tyson had a guy, Mitch Blood Green, right? And they fought in a 12-round decision where there was a lot of headbutting, fighting, hitting after the bell, really dirty fight. Like five years later, they ran into each other on the streets at a nightclub <laughs> and got right into a street fight on the streets. <laughs> 13th is, round picked up right care. there. Yeah, didn't totally. care. Totally. Emily Campagno, the Mitch Blood, Blood Green <laughs> of politics. Hey. Uh, talk to me about the Fox True Crime podcast. I know there's a new episode. Oh, you guys, today it's really great. So... You all remember, like, much has been made of the good nurse, who's an incredible woman. Her name is Amy Loughran. She single-handedly worked with the detectives to put a wire on herself to oust what used to be her best friend and fellow nurse, who was responsible for at least 30 confirmed and upwards of hundreds. 
deaths at the hands of him. He would inject these poor patients, the helpless and the vulnerable, and she helped bring him down. It's, she's an amazing interview. She's one of the most uh, compassionate, articulate conversations I've ever had. Uh, Ooh. Do you even know what those words mean, Jimmy? You're like, you're like <laughs> good for you. I don't know what this means. Shots fired. She's incredible. It's the good nurse, mm. and there's been a lot of publicity about her story lately. But um, I bring you an even fresher perspective straight from her mouth. So go to the Fox True Crime podcast, and it is called this episode "Do No Harm." Oh, I love this, Emily, the I good know, nurse. Amazing. I mean, half of my audience wants to hear about the naughty nurse. Let's be honest. <laughs> like, what is she on? I know. Is well, it, is that's a, a different channel, and that's a different time of day. So everyone. <laughs> It's her other account. We all, we're all thinking the same thing, and it's cool. All know right. that it's cool. I love this. So give me one more because the American people count on us for NFL analysis. Oh, okay. Um, I just assume the Lions are America's team having never won a Super Bowl. But I know yeah. there's other angles to this thing. You being from the Bay, you're probably not rooting for the 49ers as a Raider fan. No, of course not. Um, I, my, I will always be grateful to the Chiefs for stomping them out in the Super Bowl yep. that we went to in Miami. But um, – Right now, moving forward, I want the Chiefs to be done. So weirdly, I'm rooting for the Ravens, even though obviously um, I was rooting for Houston before that. Now I am rooting for so the Bills heartbreaking, right? So, yeah. so my point is in the, in the current landscape, I'm please Ravens because I just am sick of the Chiefs. I want the Lions to win it. And anyone who isn't rooting for the Lions better be living in the town <laughs> of the team that they're playing. I mean, yeah, you're going to live clear. in Santa Clara. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. gosh. I know. How about it? So so your ride or die Lions this weekend, which I respect. I think most people in America, because it's a good story. And they would have liked the Lions-Bills Super Bowl just because one of these teams that never won a Super Bowl would have got one. It's, good, it's like no matter fans. what, you would have – it wouldn't have been – you wouldn't have – you know, you don't want to see the Chiefs win again. You wouldn't have been so you, devastated if anyone had lost. Like you, you, you want them yeah. both to win, but everyone would, the edge would be the Bills, right? Because uh-huh. the Lions have never been there before. You, Bills have. You want them to finally clinch the win. Yeah. They let us down for the millionth time. Mm-hmm. So now it's Lions all the way. Well, I got news for you: the Chiefs are getting every call this weekend because you know the NFL. They already did last weekend, and you it's know, so disheartening. You know the NFL would rather have Taylor Swift in the Super Bowl than Baltimore. I can't than the city of Baltimore. You know the the, the place that inspired the Wire. They okay. would, it's it's the Kelsey Swift for some reason has become and by I Kelsey know. I say that as Jason too. Yeah, it's like the, this the three, I I just I get no it. No disrespect to them. I like Jason I'm Kelsey a though. Of, I li- of course, I know. everyone does. It's but everyone is sick and tired of seeing it, it's and they want it off the field. Yeah, it's a show lot. me that on the Hallmark Channel. Fine. <laughs> show me that on your stage. Fine. Show me that in the millions of commercials. I see you guys in every day, all day. Fine. Yeah. But take it off the field, man. I'm so I'm just I exhausted by well, it. Well, if the Ravens, uh, they are favored. If they live up to their billing as the favorite. You could have a Kelsey-free, a Swift-free Super Bowl. But I know the NFL is hoping and praying (laughs) Mahomes finds a way. Because they love the idea probably better than a Super Bowl rematch would be a Mahomes-Detroit Super Bowl. Because you got the Chiefs coming off, you know, two Super Bowl wins. Not back-to-back, but they've got two wins. And then you get the Lions never having won one. Good storyline. I like Detroit. I have an affinity for Detroit. Of course, man. It's one of those cities growing up. You know, the cities you see on TV all the time that you've never been to are the ones you hold like a lot of like kind of like a romantic, you know, connection to in a weird way as a city, like a civic romance. So you just lay up a soft spot for the city. So I love Detroit growing up because Magnum P.I. wore a tiger's hat in his Ferrari. Uh, I always loved San Francisco. Um, And then I would tell you that around the country, Dallas, because of the TV show Dallas. So it was basically based on TV that you learn to like cities. And right. I learned to hate the Red Sox because of the Yankees. Yeah, but you're Boston's such an 80s cool. kid. You're such yeah. an 80s Long Islander kid yeah. specifically. So, um, 
I hear you. I mean, look, the other thing is, as you, as we've said a million times, I'm going to be there at Super Bowl. I'm going to be there in Vegas. And, like, I just can't take the wave of cheese. Like, I saw some in the park today, and what they were wearing just killed me. Like, it just <laughs> – Gucci shoes, man. Seven in the morning, Central Park, you're wearing Gucci shoes and a Chiefs beanie. What is that? I, exactly. I was like, I All can't. Right. It put me in a bad mood. Right, anyway. I'm, I'm officially a Ravens fan. You sold That's me, right. Emily. That's right. You sold. Just to make it clear, I'm rooting because of them, not because of you. Because you're the worst. <laughs> go listen to the I'm, Fox True Crime I, podcast. I'm going to go to physical therapy right now and curse your name the whole way. It's the right thing. Well, assuming you, ever shoulder, get, everyone. assuming you ever get done eating in my studio. Jimmy. Emily shows up to my studio to do radio. I mean, you know this if you're watching <laughs> Fox Nation. It actually, do you remember those old like cartoons where a person eats lunch at a table 30 feet long? They drink <laughs> out of a chalice and there's a person at the other end. That's like Batman, you doing, yeah, Batman part one. That's you doing a radio hit. You show up, Bruce Wayne yeah. walks into my studio. Alfred just came in and refreshed her drink in the chalice. I'm sorry that I actually eat and don't starve myself for 20 hours a day and then have 12 steaks at midnight. Well, that's how I roll. The Jimmy Fallon diet. This is how I roll with food on me at all times. And it it works. And we love you for it. All right. That's enough, Emily. Rock and roll. Uh, Get her out. Get her out of here. You're listening to the most relatable man on the radio. Best way to describe him is to say he's the typical boy next door. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. My cousin Cindy, she's rooting for the 49ers. She's down in Florida. She relocated. It's funny, we're coming back from break on Duran Duran. Cindy loves Duran Duran. There you go. I'm with Campagna. loves Duran Duran. But there's a fork in the road when it comes to the 49ers. Sorry, cousin Cindy. You lost the Campagna vote. You don't get any of the rice compoyo being consumed in my radio studio right now. Reese is calling in from Sheridan, Wyoming. Let's see if he makes the buffet line. Reese! I can always make the buffet line. I like to eat. Hell, me Just too. like you, my friend. Me too. You know, make America great again dittos to you, my friend, from the Equality State. <laughs> I will take I have a it. question for you. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, I, th- I think this primary is going to be over today. Ooh. And I think that uh, old Trump, he's going to be our nominee. Ooh. And it was such a, it was such a polite concession speech that uh, that uh, the governor of uh, Florida made, mm-hmm. and uh, I just think that uh, I think he's going to pick old Kerry Nome out of South. Oh, Dakota. Christy Nome, you think so? Absolutely. Yep. That woman has been, or that woman has been behind Trump all along the way, mm-hmm. and she was such a great governor for that she, neighboring state of ours. We're yep. just, we're blessed to to have her and Listen. to have Trump and mm-hmm. everybody else. So she was uh, great on my show. We had her on the show probably a year and a half ago, two years. I don't remember what the heck it was. Uh, and we had a lot of laughs about her and her mom. Her mom was like wanted to get into politics, I, but she had a lot of personality. That was a good show. Oh, yeah, you remember. Okay. I, yeah. I remember that. That yeah. was a good show. She had a lot I, of I personality. And that's kind of like the metric for me is, you know, yep. these are ultimately communication jobs. So if people come on with me and they're fun and they're funny and they can roll, then they can probably be effective in their role. So that wouldn't be a bad pick. And Emily Campagna was just telling me between bites of ham hocks that the gambling odds in Vegas actually have Kirsty Nome as the favorite to get the gig right now. Well, it was yesterday. Oh, at least it was yesterday. Her. So, Reese, look at that. You bit, you did make the buffet line after all. Emily nods her head yes. Uh, we'll do it again soon, all right, Reese? There he goes. 
Kevin, Hampton Roads, Virginia. Kevin. Hey, Jimmy. Yes, I pulled over just so I could call into your show, sipping on a salted caramel mocha here. Ooh. Hey, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Christy Nome, yeah, we we could probably carry South Carolina or South Dakota if we pick her as VP. I kid, but look. <laughs> Good for you. Right? <laughs> New Hampshire primary. This is like college football bowl season for political junkies these last couple of weeks. And, yeah. you know, today, today there was a present under – under my tree, I went to the realclearpolling.com, and there's actually seven New Hampshire polls yesterday and today, which I never see that. I, that's just I loved it. And the range of the polls is Trump plus 16 to Trump plus 27. And right in the middle is that ever-reliable Trafalgar group <laughs> with Trump winning plus 22. So my, my conclusion is if Trump doesn't win by – 15 to 20 then we don't need to mention a poll ever again i mean seven (laughs) of them in one you know one day but uh and then i wanted to get to the point so so if haley loses by this margin and she doesn't drop out now i saw on laura ingram's show a few days back i don't remember who the guy was he might have been a democrat pollster and he said there was going to be a big money spender for the democrat party doing a fundraiser for haley in a new york city apartment so if she doesn't drop out, she's going to be like John Kasich was, you know, and lose every state, but be like a nuisance or thorn in the side of Trump and forcing him to spend money and end up really being a, a surrogate for the Democrat Party. So I think she has to drop out, don't you, uh, if she doesn't place well? I don't know the answer to that because the truth is, okay, we hear a lot about like, oh, she's a Democrat, she's establishment, rhino, all of that. I don't know that we're there. Uh, You know, and I think that basically the Republican Party definitely wants somebody in this race to at least march because heaven forbid Trump isn't on the ticket. They need somebody to run against Biden. So I don't know that she asked if she has the money, she could stick around, you know, just the same as if somehow Trump were incapacitated legally and didn't wind up on the ballot. Believe me, DeSantis is getting back in the race. So is a guy like Tim Scott. So I think one of the reasons the people dropping out endorsed Trump so quickly was because on the off chance that they have a, an opportunity to run back into the ring, they want his support. They want his voters behind them. So I think it's going to be, you know, very unpredictable from here. But I think you raise a lot of good points in terms of money. I don't know what we can ascertain in terms of where it's coming from. I just know she got a spike after DeSantis left because there's nobody else to donate. If you're not a Trump person, the only person left to donate to is Nikki. I mean, I've offered to hold their money, but nobody will give it to me. Great call, Kevin. We'll do it again. Uh, more of your calls. Byron Donald's going to be here as well when we come back on the big bad one and only high-flying, death-defying Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. And we are fired up for a big hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Always reachable to you, the listener, at 888-788-9910. It is primary day up in New Hampshire. Byron Donald's superstar congressman from the great state of Florida is going to stop by in this hour to report 
from the Trump train. He is campaigning with the former president who aims to be the future president. Trump expected to address the crowd this evening. You're about to hear the greatest speech you've ever heard. I think it's his modesty that really draws people to the guy. But one way or the other, uh, we will bring you up to speed on all things New Hampshire in this hour. 888-788-9910. It's going to be a peppy hour across the board one way or the other. Uh, But before we get into the nitty gritty of what we're supposed to be doing on the show today, uh, I do regret to inform you, and this needs to be said, it needs to be acknowledged, uh, Charles Osgood, a superstar by any right in media and radio, uh, he was the host of CBS Sunday Morning for over 20 years, in fact, it's the only show in the history of television uh, to be on the air as long as it was and have higher ratings when it ended than it did when it began, which is outright incredible in its own right. He is, of course, the voice of the Osgood file. Uh, He voiced Horton Hears a Who and was just an all-around phenomenal human being. Sadly, Charles Osgood has died at the age of 91. And I bring this up because you wouldn't think there'd be a lot of overlap between a dirtbag like me who drove a cab and told a lot of dirty jokes and a guy like Charles Osgood. But you, my friend, would be wrong. Uh, Charles Osgood, for real, kept the lights on in my house when Lincoln was first born. I'm talking uh, 2009, 2010. Uh, I met Charles Osgood when I was a cab driver and an aspiring comedian, and he quietly became a supporter of mine, Uh, him and his son Ken. Uh, would come to my stand-up gigs. Uh, At one point, we were producing a podcast that nobody was listening to. Uh, We had a big ambition. We're like, this show's going to take over the world, I'm telling you. That is a fact-check false. Didn't quite work out that way. But with his help and encouragement, uh, a guy that was, you know, in the Broadcast Hall of Fame, had won multiple Marconis, dozens of Emmys, and was revered, had interviewed every sitting president uh, in his lifetime, or my lifetime anyway, up at the point I had met him, uh, a guy who famously uh, became part of the White House infrastructure in the 60s because he was a classical music DJ. And uh, Dwight Eisenhower invited him into the White House, uh, and he started spinning tunes in the White House and became fast friends with Ike and quickly uh, graduated to becoming a part of the fabric of American media. Uh, His real name was Charles Wood. Uh, When he moved to New York in 72, uh, there was a Charles Wood on the air. I believe he decided to go with the name Osgood. And uh, he enjoyed three decades of media dominance, dare I say four decades of media dominance at the time I met the guy. And uh, not only did he help Jenny and I and give me a side hustle in broadcasting, but he was just the best human being. In fact, in 2014, a lot of you guys don't know this, but myself and Gina Brion. Gina Brion was on Fox News Saturday night this past weekend. She was a finalist on America's Got Talent. Uh, She's a New York City comedy club legend. Well, myself and Gina Brion in 2014, when I was still a comic, I hadn't yet started here on Fox News, so I was driving a cab and I was doing stand-up at night. Uh, we won something uh, at the New York City Nightlife Awards. We were named the Male and Female Performers of the Year. And we could have any you know celebrity introduce us or induct us, because this was a big Broadway thing at Town Hall. Uh, I threw a shot in the dark at Charles Osgood being my introduction, and lo and behold, the guy showed up. 
just a first-class human being in every sense of the word. Had a phenomenal family, far more cultured than mine. But some of the highlights of my life, if you go on my Facebook page, uh, my actual personal Jimmy Fallon Facebook page, you'll see a lot of pictures of me with Charles Osgood because he went on to publish a book I wrote uh, called Follow That Car about the time I spent driving a cab. Uh, and he also played himself in the audio book about my life. This book came out in 2014 on a publishing imprint called Big Top Press. And it was Charles Osgood's publishing imprint that he launched just to help me write a book because he didn't want my content anywhere near his. I'm not kidding. <laughs> he was like, you know, I just voiced uh, Horton Hears a Who. Uh, but if we were to make a book about your life, it would be Horton Hears a Ho, as I believe how he said it to me. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a cool of a guy as you're ever, ever, ever going to meet anywhere in radio or TV, far too classy for this industry. But every year uh, he hired Jenny Fela to make the Christmas cake at the CBS Christmas party. And he would close the Christmas party by handing out sheet music and he would play the piano as he was famous to do on TV. And we'd have Christmas carol sing-alongs and everybody would get good and drunk and you'd sing Jingle Bells and you'd get into those third or fourth verses of Jingle Bells where the lyrics start to get a little problematic based on the years they were written in. What the hell did you just say? <laughs> You're like, wait, I didn't know Jingle Bells was doing that. Wow. But anyway. Uh, just as good of a human being as you're ever going to meet. And we are so profoundly thankful uh, to have been the smallest part of his uh, multi-decade plan for world domination. And he is a guy that actually did it all. Whether we're talking about TV, we're talking about radio, we're talking about books, we're talking about anything in the media. I don't know of anyone who had a more comprehensive four decades of dominance than Charles Osgood. But I shout him out not because he was rich and famous and fabulous, but because he treated little people like me as good as anyone ever could. Okay, he met me as a cab driver with no health insurance. I always say I didn't have money in the bank, but I didn't even have a bank account at the time I met him. And uh, he was a guy who, you know, staked me to a couple of hundred bucks a week, which back when Lincoln was born, a couple hundred bucks was a couple million bucks. I mean, it was more than I was making driving in a cab. Uh, so as you'd imagine, we have a profound amount of appreciation for the late, great Charles Osgood. And if you didn't consume a lot of his work, this is me encouraging you to do so now. <laughs> Nikki Haley trying to stay alive herself politically up in New Hampshire. Uh, she claims she's going to win this thing. Wrong. I don't know that she is. Uh, but John is standing by in Butte, Montana, and says we might not want to quit her just yet. Yo, John. Hey, brother. How you doing? I'm great, but let, let me ask you this, okay? You're out on the road. It's always good to hear your voice. And I am coming to Montana. I kept that campaign promise. By re the first thing I did when they rescheduled those shows, Montana and Idaho Falls got right back on the schedule. I'm a good like if I was a real politician, I would actually be the guy who keeps his promises to the American people. I would be a rarity, would I not? Oh yeah, most definitely. See, so I'll be out there, but uh, at the time I get out there this spring, do you expect Nikki to be in the race? Uh, are we pulling the ripcord? Are you saying give her more time? Well, first things first, tell Emily next time you see her, thanks. Now I want a 20-ounce porterhouse. <laughs> but absolutely, I wouldn't count her out because if you really think about it, all the independents out there, mm -hmm. a lot of them, they're not too fond because Trump has burned a lot of bridges with them, and she brings a lot to the table that they want. Yeah. So I definitely can see her still being in the race. And, you know, 
I'll keep my fingers crossed for her. I mean, I love Trump, but I got to look at what the greater good's going to be. You know, four years of chaos and mm. with him being a lame duck going into office yeah. or potentially eight years of somebody being able to do something. Yeah, well, listen, you're not wrong when you say that. What's happening right now in our politics is it's beca- it's so personal that nobody cares, like meaning Trump is really bad down ballot. You know, they're going to lose the Senate. They're going to lose the House. But nobody cares because they just want revenge for 2020. And they know through executive order he can undo a lot of the Biden stuff. But you're right to say it's a longer shot than anyone realizes, because right now you're just watching him kill Republicans. And, yes, the Republican Party likes him. By and large, he has an overwhelming amount of support. But I think primaries have a way of deluding people in that. The general election involves the other 200 million people who don't like the guy, you know, and they already don't like the guy. It's not like he's new and he's not trending well. It's hating Donald Trump is a lifestyle for hundreds of millions of people. And Biden being an unpopular president doesn't change the fact that they personally hate Trump. And if you really think about it, I mean, look at the way Trump is now in comparison. When, like in 2016, he's, he's a lot more subtle about things. But that doesn't mean it's going to stay the same if he gets back into office. Because as soon as he gets back into office, that's four years of chaos. Everybody's going to be going after him. They're going to try to impeach him again. They're going to try and do whatever they can Yep. if they don't have him locked up in prison. It's nuts. But that, that is where it's headed. So the, the gain would be if Trump wins, right? Uh, you will get border. You will get, you know, they'll they'll take an executive action at the border. They'll take an executive action on energy. So there will be deliverables like that part. Good in terms of national chaos, bad. But the one thing that's hard to reconcile is if the nominee is Nikki Haley, if the nominee was Ron DeSantis, they're going to treat them like Trump. That's the problem. It's not like they're going to be like, all right, we'll call off the dogs now. The point is anyone not a liberal is Hitler. That's the way elections work now in the general election. Mitt Romney was Hitler, and Mitt Romney wears mom jeans, John. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, you look at somebody like Haley, she already knows the game. She knows the politics. Yeah. She's been around it you know, the, for listen, a long time. She's a lot better. She's a lot better than people give her credit for. It's just Twitter is not the real world. Okay, in the general election, she kills Biden. She beats him by 17. But if you just follow conservative media, they actually hate her because they're using, you know, they've been taught a lot of fancy terms like she's a rhino or a neocon or a globalist. And she doesn't actually have that on her record, but she has a lot of militant, angry right wing people who aren't going to give her a chance, at least not until the general. I think most of those people there that are, that are giving her all that hate and discontent need to pull their head out of their butts and stick it back between their shoulders and Whoa. take the cotton out of their mouth and Whoa. stick it in their mouth. Big talk, John. Uh, listen, I was going to ask you to do security for me in Montana. I'm now going to do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look best. forward to seeing you in March. Let's get him. My man, have a great one. There he goes, the great John. Who says you really got to think about the chaos that comes from a Trump presidency. This guy will say anything. I struggle with this one myself because I do know that if Trump wasn't the nominee, they're going to treat them all like Trump anyway. At least Trump, you get some Trump out of it. You get jokes. You get the big rallies. He does impressions. He gives out people's phone numbers on the air. He insults their spouses. You get a show. It's Caddyshack. He's Rodney Dangerfield. But the point, the larger point John's trying to make is... Nobody in politics, and I'm blown away by this, okay? 
Because the people you watch on TV read books and stuff. They're educated. They have a lot more acumen than I do. But it's not even close. I don't belong anywhere near these people. That's why I'm always marveling. Like, I can't believe Shannon Bream's on the show. It'll always be the first time to me. It'll always be exciting because I'm so blown away by the disparity in intellect. I can hang because I'm a human. uh, But I'm not talking to them at their intellectual level because I can't. Okay, but the point is, these smart people who work in media at least in conservative media, have no ability to see beyond the primary. They're like, well, Biden sucks, so of course Trump's going to win. Guys, here's a newsflash. Biden sucked in 2020. I agree with that. So it's not just because, like, oh, well, he sucks and no one's voting for him. If anything, they're just voting against Trump. Yeah, that's how it worked in 2020. And if you don't think they're going to ratchet it back up to a 2020 level of hysteria if Trump is the nominee, and then, oh, by the way, when the tension's nice and high and we're all over here screaming that Biden's too old, they're going to pull Biden for a young guy, and then they're going to spend the summer going, Trump's too old. They're already doing it. Okay, Mediaite, I'll read it for you when we come back before Byron Donalds gets here. They're now running a daily column about Trump's gaffes and him confusing Nancy Pelosi and Nikki Haley, which he did. Uh, He's not shaking hands with invisible people like a guy like Joe Biden is. But you understand at the end of the day, a younger candidate, if all we're going to focus on is how old Biden is and all the Democrats are going to start yelling about is how old and racist Trump is. Either a third party or a younger candidate is positioned in the race better than anyone is telling you right now in media. And I do think Trump is a lock to get the GOP nomination, uh, but I don't think he's anything close to a lock to win the White House. I just think if we've established anything in the last few months, it's that the Republican Party would rather take their chances on losing with Trump than winning with anyone else because it's personal now. This isn't about the country. It's about the person. Okay, and it's also not about the party. It's about the person. And that's a good thing because the Republican Party, I got to be honest with you, they are not throwing a perfect game out there when it comes to representing your interest in Congress right now. It's been nothing short of an embarrassment. But that's another thing that works out in Trump's favor. Okay, people don't see him as a rank and file D.C. establishment politician. Byron Donald's on the campaign trail with him. He's around the corner. We'll get to him in a minute. It's the show that leaves you hungry for more. We'll probably sit around and cook some soup, eat bread and desserts, and just get all fat and sassy. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Cross America with Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be rapping with Byron Donalds. In the next break, he is from the great state of Florida, but he is up in New Hampshire right now. And man, oh boy, oh man, is the smart money has Trump with a 95% chance of winning. And we know the people on the left feel that way because they're starting to throw all kinds of character attacks at not only Trump, but at his voters. Pretty fascinating stuff. Here's Kamala. Okay, who was on CNN yesterday. She's making the media rounds. Kamala is a lying sociopath. Fact check. Well, you'll laugh because this is one of her lies. Uh, This is Kamala talking about Georgia's voter ID law. Now, if you remember when Georgia passed a voter ID law that you needed to have voter ID in order to vote legally. The end result of that law was what? In the midterms, they got the highest voter turnout in the history of the state. But we were told at the time by Joe Biden, this was worse than Jim Crow. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in 
in Georgia and 40 other states. Jim Crow on steroids. And even after vote turnout spiked, Stacey Abrams still claimed there was suppression. Stacey Abrams is full of Now, they've, you know, obviously been beaten over the head with a pile of facts on that one. So they've pivoted back to the other reason the Georgia voting law was bad. Here is Kamala saying, well, you can't give voters food or water when they're online to vote. You're not telling me the truth. And she's not, because the truth is the only thing the Georgia voter law prevented people from doing was individual campaigns from giving people food and water. I could give you water if you were online. You could give me water. You can give me food. No one is dying of starvation or dehydration on the voting lines. That's true. That is true. Okay, believe me, if it was happening, it'd be the lead news story everywhere in the state. But here is Kamala. This is what we're down to in Georgia. Clip 24. Sometimes you might have to stand for quite some time in line, but please do. In spite of, again, in states like Georgia, who pass laws that make it illegal to even give you food and water if you're standing in line. Um, But it matters. It matters. And elections matter. The voice of the American people matter. And one of the ways that, that we all express our voice is through our vote. I mean, dude. Kamala Harris. This is absolutely gross. Why? Because this is what they're down to now. Well, Georgia, you know, people are dying in line to vote. It's a voter suppression, a white supremacy. Guys, this is what they're down to now. It's like, all right, I know you can't afford stuff and you don't feel safe going to the store. And your kid's class is canceled today because we use the school as a migrant shelter. But there's pretend stuff going on in Georgia, you guys, and you got to vote for me. That's what we're down to in the state of Georgia right now, which is a microcosm of everything else we're going to be doing between now and Election Day. The left weaponizes race. Oh, we've got a random act of journalism on Fox Across America. Remember the late, great Rush Limbaugh? He had talent on loan from God, as he liked to say it. Uh, As you know, I do not have talent on loan from God. But as a former New York City cab driver, I do know a guy named Jesus who sells stolen flat screen TVs in the Bronx. Well, anyway, when I was whizzing around in a taxi, getting cut off and shot at, talking to hookers, hobbits, and time travelers, I used to listen to El Rushbo, the Maharashi, as he famously referred to himself. And from time to time, he would point to what he called a random act of journalism, where somebody who worked in the elite D.C. Beltway media would ask or demonstrate some type of intellectual curiosity when it came to the Democratic Party. You know, 99 times out of 100, the media is bumper bowling for the Democratic Party. It doesn't matter what they do. They tell you it's a good deal. Like to give you an example, the Iranian nuclear deal was the stupidest thing in the history of the world. Okay, Barack Obama gave $50 billion in cash assets to the biggest state sponsor of terrorism on the planet in return for their word that they wouldn't enrich uranium. Are you stupid or something? Turns out he was. But the media cheered it on. They were like, no, this is great. Look at Obama go. He's giving Iran all the, you know, the people who chant death to America who vow to blow Israel off the map and they sponsor the terror attacks through proxies. Well, we gave him $50 billion. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. And they tried to tell us, no, no, you don't understand. This is a good deal. Because Iran 
They're not going to create the weapons themselves. So we're safe now. Wrong. No, we're not safe because what they do is they outsource the terrorists, the terrorism. Okay, they give it to other groups like Hamas, like Hezbollah. Who do you think bankrolls them? Okay, you think about that. You know the Beach Boy song, Fun, Fun, Fun? She got her daddy's car. She cruised to the hamburger stand now. That is Hamas. Okay, well, they got their daddy's bomb, and they're cruising over to the hamburger stand now. And how did they get the bomb? They used money given to them by Barack Obama. I'm not saying Obama wanted these terror attacks to happen. I'm not saying that was what he was going for. I'm saying the reason we need a media that holds people in power accountable is so we don't cheer things on that hurt our country and sell them as victories. That's the problem. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. Seriously, think about this. The Republicans who spent, you know, a decade haranguing Obamacare, okay, were the only ones doing it when in truth... Okay, the media should have been crushing Obamacare. The government gave us something called the Affordable Care Act. And why do I say wrong? Because the Affordable Care Act has driven up health care premiums over 300% since it went into effect. Your health care has not become more affordable. It's become a hell of a whole lot less affordable. That's true. That is true. But because people at the absolute bottom end of the socioeconomic ladder got some taxpayer-subsidized health care, the media sold it to us as, oh, this is a win for everybody. Come on. Don't bullshit me. It's not a win for anybody. Okay, the amount of money you pay for health care has gone up through the roof because these things that have fancy names, like student loan forgiveness, doesn't actually address the cause of the problem. The reason there's a lot of student loan debt is because the cost keeps going up. And a lot of these degrees don't come with commensurate jobs to go with the degree. But when you go out there and go, oh, you know, it's an election year. People do have a lot of student loan debt. Maybe these young people will be more enthusiastic about voting Democrat if we pick up the tab and hand it to the taxpayer. That's what they did. So you understand they told us this was in the name of fairness. No, we got to do it, you see. People got a lot of debt here. But is it fair to make people who didn't take out a loan pay off somebody else's loan? The answer would be no. Of course it's not. But the bigger problem is not fairness. It's cost control. Okay, if tuition is going to keep skyrocketing, student loan forgiveness doesn't do anything to address that because it's not the colleges saying, all right, we forgive you. We charge too much. We won't do it again. No. That's why the colleges aren't getting in the way of any of these protests. They don't care. They can charge you whatever the hell they want. And if the M.O. becomes, well, don't worry. If we charge these kids too much, they can't get jobs. The Democrats will have the taxpayers pay for it. Is that going to stop the colleges from jacking tuition? The answer would be no. No, they're going to charge you more money than ever to hate America and cheer on the terror groups like Hamas. They're doing that. I'm not exaggerating. Not trying to get you all worked up. I went to community college. I majored in intro to Xbox. I have a degree in Super Mario Brothers. Okay, I'm not telling you I'm highly educated, but I am telling you I can see through the charade that is student loan forgiveness. Okay, and this is the problem with a media that doesn't do its job. Okay, so when somebody like Jake Tapper gives us a random act of journalism, I will salute him. Here he is asking Jake, uh, Pete Booty Judge, 
why Joe Biden still hasn't visited East Palestine, Ohio. Remember there a year ago, not even a year ago, where all the trains crashed and they poisoned the water and people had to evacuate and nobody in the county voted for a Democrat. So they just decided not to show up at all. Where is Pete Buttigieg with no answer on why people don't matter to the White House? Clip 25. Speaking of the president, he still has not visited East Palestine, Ohio. I don't know why that is. It doesn't seem to make much sense to me. But if Congress needs pressure to get this done, why wouldn't he just go to East Palestine and use the bully pulpit uh, the way that, you know, Harry S. Truman would do? try to shame Congress into passing that. Why is that not even like an idea that the White House would contemplate? I don't have any updates on the scheduling front for the White House, but what I can tell you is it shouldn't take anything more than we've already seen happen for Congress to act. (laughs) Why is it not even like an idea that the White House is even contemplating visiting these people? Pete Buttigieg. Ah, ah, yeah. I don't have any updates on scheduling at the White House. Pete Buttigieg is pathetic. Why? Okay, because think about what he just did. I don't have any updates on scheduling. What I can tell you... Don't change the subject. Just answer the f***ing question. He didn't answer the question because there's no good answer to the question. Because if they were to tell you the truth, it's we don't care about these people. They didn't vote Democrat. So what? A train derailed on our watch. Happens every day on our watch. It's not a big deal. A bunch of white people lose their drinking water, close their schools, and get forced to move. What do we want? Are you voting Democrat, yes or no? That's the problem in the country right now. So I cheer out somebody like Jake Tapper. These people are welcome on my TV show. I got a huge show. Fox News Saturday night, 10 o'clock. If you're listening for the first time right now, I never stop talking about this show. Why? Because it's what everybody should be doing with weekend programming, which is hanging out and getting along. I understand during the week it's a contentious news cycle, okay, and we've got a lot of powerful opinions out there that you want to hear from, and we should. And I encourage you to consume it because that healthy dialogue is the best thing for the country. But on the weekends, I'm trying to be, you know, hey, the world's on fire. Let's roast a couple of marshmallows. Why? Because if we normalize the idea of treating each other like human beings, at some point we might actually prioritize our mutual interests. Okay? When the government is effing over the little people, this is exactly the moment where we're all supposed to stand up for the government. Instead, we're like, Republicans are a bunch of racists. It's unbelievable. Why do they want to do something about the poisonous drinking water? It must be like transphobia or something. This is the dumbest time there's ever been to be alive. I'm just telling you because I happen to care. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. He is one of those iconic figures that fans care about. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Primary day up in New Hampshire, which means the candidates are busting out the big guns. Joining us now from the Trump train, superstar Florida congressman, a big game player if ever there was one, Representative Byron Donald's on the show. Hey, man. Jimmy. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you, Jimmy, you said they brought out the big guns. You weren't lying. I'm up here in New Hampshire right now. I know. I said it. And I I did notice that you went to New Hampshire. I don't know that you went to Iowa. I think you played it smart and dodged those temperatures. No, Jimmy, I was in Iowa. What? 
You were, listen, I did not I did not know that. Oh man. Listen, man, I was in Fort Dodge. I was in Des Moines. I was in Grimes, Iowa. Oh, man. I was freezing my butt off. What? It was negative seventeen. Uh-huh. So like when I got to when I landed in New Hampshire, I forgot my overcoat at home in Florida. <laughs> and I got off the plane in you know in Boston and I'm like, Oh, this ain't too bad. I was just in negative seventeen. <laughs> Dude, that is crazy because you know, as politicians go, you're like the dolphins playing in Buffalo in December. You know, they don't expect you to perform well, but something tells me you got it done. Listen, don't do that. I'm not like the Dolphins at at Buffalo in December. I actually win when I come north, baby. (laughs) I win, Jimmy. (laughs) Good for you. Uh, Well, we're heading into tonight. Uh, There are some people out there who believe Nikki Haley can win. Scientists have a word for them. They're called alcoholics. Uh, I don't know that she's, I don't know that she's taken this thing, uh, but whatever they're there, it seems like they'd have some donor money, but is the expectation, I mean, you're with Trump, you see these crowds. Do you actually look around and get the feeling this man's in any type of jeopardy within the party? No. I mean, look, I was at a polling location in Derry, New Hampshire earlier today. And man, let me tell you, there was one person holding a a Nikki sign and they were like, 15, 30 people holding Trump signs and people walking in and out. They were like, man, we're with Trump. Can we take a picture? I'm about to go vote. I just voted. I love Trump. Thanks for being here. Like, it was a, a really good sign. I think the president's going to win win tonight. I think he's going to win fairly big. And look, let's be clear. Mm-hmm. The, all the pressure's on Nikki Haley. She has to win New Hampshire. Yeah. If she doesn't win New Hampshire, it's over. Like, I personally think it's over anyway, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. But if she doesn't win New Hampshire, like, it's over, over. Like, yeah. it's really done. Because there's nowhere else to go. Well, that's the bigger problem. We're talking to Representative Byron Donalds. And where nowhere else to go, I think you mean the ATM. Because, the you know, people are going to stop donating just the same and then you're basically a month out from south carolina we'd expect her to lose as well and certainly he lands up well for super tuesday so here here becomes my question because you're rolling with the trump man okay there's two bits of speculation that surround this campaign right now obviously as the spring goes on they'll talk about the vp but i think the bigger question on most people's minds at the moment is who do they actually think they're going to be running against because i don't look at joe biden and go this guy's in it for the long haul I think it's Joe Biden. You I, think I know he stays on? I think he stays on. And the reason why is because you're, de- you're talking to somebody who him and his family, his wife, all of them, they've been wanting him to be president for like 30 years. <laughs> like he ran three times, man. They've been wanting him to be president for 30 years. He's not getting out of the way for Gretchen Whitmer or, or Kamala Harris <laughs> or uh, what's the guy, uh, Patrick, uh, Pat Riley's uh, illegitimate son, or Gavin Newsom. <laughs> you know, they're not get, he's not getting out of the way for them. He's not. And oh. so I think it's Joe Biden. I think it's Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump beats Joe Biden because Joe Biden is is the master of disaster. That's wow. it. But BD, that's hilarious. We've had a lot of takes on Gavin Newsom over the years. We never got Pat Riley's legitimate son. Uh, but it's well earned. Uh, the dude is putting on hair gel with a soup ladle. Like, it's aggressive. You know it. It's aggressive. Pat, but Pat did it right, though. Pat yeah. Riley looked good doing it, though, man. Did he? Pat Ni- Riley, listen. Nice suits. 100%. Nice suit games. Well, since you brought up sports, we'll pivot really quick, and then I know you can get back to winning a primary. Uh, most people I know are kind of rooting for the Detroit Lions because they've never won a Super Bowl. Uh, does, is that Can we put you in that camp, or are you rolling with the 49ers in that game? No. The Niners are going to win that game. Oh, yeah, <laughs> That's big... what I'm going with. <laughs> listen, listen, San Francisco, in my opinion, played outside of Baltimore the hottest team in football, which was Green yeah. Bay. 
Mm-hmm. Green Bay was the hottest team in football. And watching that game, Green Bay actually played better. Yeah. They just missed a couple opportunities. Yep. Um, I just don't see how Detroit, which which struggled that time with Tampa, yep. not to take anything away from Tampa, is going to go out to San Francisco and beat the Niners. I got the Niners. and uh, But the real game, in my in my mm-hmm. view, Jimmy, yep. can Patrick Mahomes beat that Baltimore defense? <laughs> I don't know, man. Patrick, he's the best quarterback in football, yep. but this Ravens team looks different. They do, and Lamar looked good last week. Four touchdowns. This isn't playoff Lamar, who has looked bad in the past. I think oh, yeah. the I, I don't know. I, I probably like both home teams just the same. I think it's a safe bet. And uh, I know you're watching this as a fan, but you know, on this show, depending on who covers the spread, we might be wearing blonde wigs and powdering our Adam's apples to pay the rent this month. So, oh no, Jimmy, yeah. you're gonna do that. I'm not doing that because <laughs> I'm gonna keep my money. I'll just I'll just go to the casino and play some roulette. I ain't betting no NFL football, but I, I like the Ravens. I like the Ravens. I like the Niners. Uh-huh. Um, I just think both they're just the better team. All right, fine. But your best bet is Trump minus the points in New Hampshire tonight. Uh, so what's the spread in New Hampshire now? What is what, it? You uh, only bet them to win. Points? Yeah, I've is seen. I've seen that on the polling. The polling average is around thirteen. I mean, in theory, if you were actually ha- if you were betting this at a window, okay, New Hampshire real clear politics average has them up nineteen. I mean, 19? that's a oh. big number. Nineteen's a number. Uh, if, if, the, if the line was 13, I would say, give me Trump and the points. Mm-hmm. Give me all that. Yeah. At 19. Oh, I know. Because this I is the it. one state. This is the I, one state she has a shot in. Yeah, because you have a bunch of independents and some Democrats who re-registered. Yep. You, you know, know what? Give it a minute. No, nah, the heck with all that. Give me Trump. Give me them points. He's laying the points, Byron. I'm, I'm going to lay the points. Give me 19, Jimmy. So much for the roulette wheel. We're betting it all on Trump minus 19. <laughs> Good luck up there. Stay warm, man. You're the best. All right. Take Good it easy, luck. Jimmy. There he goes. Bye. The legendary Byron Donalds who says, bet Trump and bet the points. He knows what he's talking about. But does he? Here are the real numbers if you want to know. Okay. The national GOP average. National. This means Super Tuesday and everything beyond today. The national average, Trump at 66%, Haley at 11.5%. So he's up 55%, about 54.5%. Okay. In New Hampshire, his average is 19.3 points higher than Haley's. In South Carolina, he's beating her by 31, 52 to 21. So when BD says she has to win tonight, she actually does have to win tonight. And, you know, I don't doubt they're going to cut her checks and she could stick around. One of our callers earlier, John, made the point of saying, hey, she's very viable in the general and it's something we should be considering. And uh, he's not wrong to say that. But in terms of the party, the party is not thinking beyond the moment. According to the Real Clear Politics betting averages in this moment, Trump has a 43 percent chance of being president. Biden has a 32% chance of being president. Somehow Michelle Obama is in there at 6.7, Nikki Haley in fourth at 5.0. So Nikki Haley right now is behind a woman who's not even going to run for president, which doesn't necessarily bode well. When it comes to the Republican nomination, Trump with an 87% chance, Haley with a 7.7. Okay, when it comes to the Democrats, Biden leads Michelle Obama 69% to 9%, followed by Gavin Newsom at 7%. Kamala Harris at 4%. So think of how bad Kamala is. Okay, she trails two people 
who aren't even in the frickin' race. She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind. For sure. So if I had to give you an expectation, I do think Trump wins New Hampshire. But I still think you should watch every second of it tonight. Flip channels. Obviously, I want you watching Fox because I'm a Fox guy. But flip channels and see what jumps out at you and share it with me on social media because I'm going to be covering it all live on Fox Nation with Pete Hegseth starting at 9 p.m. tonight. If you're a Fox Nation subscriber, get on there. If you're not, do it now, as Arnold says. Do it now. The show's over. Pay up. Get out. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a... Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.